I'm Haley, And I'm Emma. And welcome to This Shakespeare is Gay, a podcast that goes play-by-play to prove that every Shakespeare play is a little bit gay. This week, Titus Andronicus. I wish we could say that it was us not wanting to do this play so badly that caused the hiatus that we just inadvertently went on. It maybe it was subconsciously on some level. And maybe um, but we're back now. Sorry about that. Not at all. Not at all. Life. I wish we could say it won't happen again. But, but it you will. all know it probably will. It's okay. We have to remind ourselves and everyone that when we started this podcast, we were still in much more of a COVID world lull where we were doing less and going fewer places and had fewer yes. responsibilities than we have now. It's true. And, um, but here, you know, here yeah. we are still pod- potting away. Plugging away. <laughs> um, and we're going to do, we're going to talk about Titus Andronicus. Um, so I think that we should dive right in with a rule of this podcast that has always existed. Um, this has been real uh, the whole time. We knew yeah, this, this is actually happen. canon. Yeah, yeah. This is real. Uh, <laughs> which is that uh, we get one "This Play Is Not Gay" card that we get to play. There can only be one. Oh my god! After we have after we have selected the one play that is not gay, every other play remaining has mm-hmm. to be gay, no matter what. Um, and we're playing that card today. We have decided that Titus Andronicus is Shakespeare's attempt to write a straight play. Straight <laughs> is in heterosexual, heterosexual. Not, not a musical. It's also not a musical. <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> Titus Andronicus the musical? I also, can. can I just say that even though I was present five seconds ago before we started to record when you invented this rule and I agreed to it, the the prem- <laughs> hearing you describe it just then actually caused me to feel stressed by the pressure. I was like, all of a sudden I was like oh my god she's right all the other plays after this one have to be gay they've all been gay up to now no it's okay and the thing is we frankly waited most of the we we, we waited most of the Shakespeare canon to play this card that we uh, always had only that we've always had and not didn't just invent out of necessity we're playing it out of desperation like that's yeah. that's what we've come to with this play this is the thing is this play is a nightmare in every way in every possible way this play is a stone cold nightmare i listened to it i listened to an audio version as i read it as is my want and uh, several different times i just was so overwhelmed i had to pause it for like a long time i had to pause it and be like you know what i'm gonna go about my business for a minute i'm gonna make a cup of tea because this is a nightmare uh, yeah i just like I I just don't know. I don't know. Here's my so here's my here's my fan fiction about why this play is straight. And then yeah. we can go into a plot summary and then we can just right. sort of break down, I think, where we looked for the queerness in this play, mm-hmm. why we failed to find it, and also mm-hmm. why this play makes us both want to die. Yeah. Um so it's you know, it's early in Shakespeare's career. He's trying to prove himself in the the literary world and he's like I keep writing gay shit I wrote all these gay ass histories I wrote this gay thing about these two guys from Verona I'm gonna write a straight person play so that people stop comparing me to Marlo mm-hmm. I'm gonna do it I could do it I'm I'm even gonna take a really gay genre like the revenge tragedy and make it straight mm. and he did and it's bad 
And he did. Good job, William. And it was bad. As we were all worse experiment. Off yeah, 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 exactly. It left the it left the field worse than it found it. <laughs> um, I do think that like it's one of those plays um, that because there's an interesting movie in the form of Julie Taymor's Titus, yes, people think it's better than it is, and they lose track of the fact that like most Shakespeare movies, Julie Taymor uses like one quarter of the text. Yes. Yes, it's true. It's true. And also just like the visual shit that you remember from that movie, if you have in fact seen it, is not, um, it's visual shit that you remember. It's not, it's not like elements of the plot of Titus Andronicus. Yeah, or the language of Titus Andronicus kind of key. That was something that really jumped out at me is how talky this play is in a way that it like feels very... I mean, it feels very of the kind of style of the early 1590s when it was written mm-hmm. and then like a style that Shakespeare kind of moves away from and for in favor of more like character based yeah. Yeah. text and more yeah. kind of plot based text. Um, yeah. But it's a style. I mean, I, I have already said and will continue to say this play is bad. And I think that's unfair because I think it's doing a very Elizabethan thing yeah. that it's yeah. just not like the way we like to watch plays anymore right and I think it's also not it feels sort of like bizarre and uh it's not the way we we've come to know Shakespeare you know what I mean like I feel like it comes from such a different place than so much of his I mean I love your I love your fan fiction explanation that he's trying to sort of like (laughs) in a way in a way suddenly have another voice that is like it really feels it feels like a great writer got hired by like the writer's room of a weird TV show and was like, I guess I'll do this. Sure, why not? But yeah, I mean like, it's not to like jump in before the plot summary, but like I think mm-hmm. the example of this always really jumps out at me is like there's a lot of like writing and anger about the scene where the character Lavinia gets raped and mutilated, which also let mm-hmm. that serve as a content warning if you don't know this play for yeah. some of the stuff that's about to come up. Um yeah. And is found by her uncle, who has this really, really, really long speech lamenting what he's seeing and kind of describing what she looks like. And people are like, why is he just standing there looking at her? Why isn't he helping her? And it's like, well, because Mm. this is the way that this form of drama functions. Mm -hmm. We need the aural description of what we are seeing that's like part of the form both in a sort of like virtuosic showing off your writing way for the writer and also like for the benefit of the audience who you know can't actually see a lot of the things that he is describing and like unless you can kind of like separate yourself from the idea of character and realism Mm -hmm. and like not get mad about that then like you can't possibly engage with this play on the level that it exists a hundred percent and maybe that's why uh, a medium as purely visual as cinema needs so much less of the language of this 100%. play is that it's just sort of like we don't need Marcus to describe to us what he's seeing because we're seeing it in the way that Julie Taymor wants us to see it which is like this in- indelibly horrifying image <sighs> yeah yeah um Yeah, so let's do a plot summary. Uh, So there's this guy. Well, okay, so really we start with two brothers, uh, Bassianus and Saturninus, both of whom are the sons of the late emperor of Rome, and they both want to be the new emperor, but it's Rome, so we have to have a vote. And they're kind of competing over who's going to be the emperor. But then they're interrupted by the return from war against the Goths of Titus Andronicus, the, like, hero 
general. He had 25 sons and 21 of them died. I'm not exaggerating those numbers. <laughs> um, and he's back. And he has Tamara, the queen of the Goths, as a prisoner. And he, to sort of like show off everything he's done, um, executes her oldest son sort of like in front of her, despite her pleading. Um, and she vows revenge quietly and an aside over this fact. Um, then the sort of onlookers are like, Titus, you're so great. You should be emperor. And he's like, no, 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 no. I'll just pick one of these boys. I pick Saturninus. And also Saturninus can marry my daughter. Or rather, Saturninus is like, I will marry your daughter. I forget which order it goes in. Basically, <laughs> that one. Yeah. yeah, that one. Which is bad because his daughter was engaged to the other brother who's like, that's not okay. I'm going to kidnap her because she is mine. And this becomes a pretense for Lavinia, the daughter's brother, is trying to sort of defend her as she runs away with the guy she actually likes. Titus killing one of his sons in his attempt to, like, defend the rights of Saturninus. Saturninus openly and, like, unabashedly using this as a pretense to be like, Titus, how dare you? I'm going to marry the very sexy Tamara instead because you deliberately offended me on purpose, as we can all see. <laughs> um, and then there's an interminable scene where the brothers want to bury the brother that just got murdered with the other brothers. And Titus is like, no. And then he's like, okay, fine. Um, and... <laughs> Basically, from already this, <laughs> it's already a nightmare. From this sort of weird crucible of like accidental violence and people turning on Titus for no reason, um, Tamara <laughs> begins to sort of enact first her revenge against Titus for killing her son with the help of her lover, Aaron, who is a Moor. That'll come up again. Mm. Um, uh, step one kills some of Titus's other sons. Step two, give her own sons a chance to rape Lavinia because they're both in love with her. And that's what you do when you're in love with somebody. Um, and kind of combine these events for a sort of orgy of violence and murder in the woods, which leads to Bassanius also being killed and Titus's sons being framed for it. So everyone's dead and sad and murdered. And also now Titus is like begging for his remaining sons to not be put to death. Um, they're like, mm -hmm. okay, we won't put your sons to death if you send us your hand as collateral. So he cuts off his hand, and then they kill the sons anyway. And then it's just <laughs> things of course. after things after things. And then after this, um, Lavinia sort of finds a way to reveal that it was the two sons of Tamara that raped her. So now he's like, actually, I'm going to get revenge. I'm Now I'm mad. Um <laughs> And begins cooking up a scheme, literally, to entrap you. <laughs> to entrap uh, Tamara and her sons while his one of his other sons, there's an endless number of sons, is mm -hmm. like raising an army off outside of Rome. Um, Aaron and Tamara have a love child and Aaron flees with the baby and then gets captured by Titus's son, Lucius, who's like raising the army and immediately rats on Tamara and is like, here's all the horrible things she did and is going to do. Ha ha. <laughs> um, Titus lures in the brothers, kills them, bakes them into a pie, feeds the pie to their mother. She kind of like dies of having eaten this. <laughs> also gets stabbed and again there's like an orgy of killing at the end of which he also kills Lavinia just cause um and then himself and then himself and everyone's dead revenge the, yeah if you're not if you're not losing at least a body part were you really in Titus Andronicus 
Yeah, no. I mean, it's it's orgiastic madness. It's full, full Grand Guignol style what-the-fuck madness. And, like, yeah, I mean, like, it starts with an orgy of killing. It ends with an orgy of killing. And in the middle is some really, really vivid, brutal sexual violence. Yeah. So, so like, you know, like, fun for everyone. Fun for the whole family. I just really... Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, it's the way that I feel about how people market the Jacobean tragedies. It's like, Uh blood, 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 death, death, death. You know you want it. It's like, do we? Do I want this? I don't. This is an interesting question. Let's let's talk about it a little bit before we start to, like, look for the queerness and find where it isn't. Um, Because I was going to say, like, should we talk about our own relationships to this play? And I was thinking about, like, have I ever seen this play on stage? The answer is yes. And the first time, you were in it. I know. Yeah. (laughs) R.I.P. R.I.P. Pour some out. You were one of the baby marches? No, I was young Lucius. I was Titus' grandson. The, like, little kid who hangs around for no real reason. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very on center for you about 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) All the the, the little boys. Um, Yeah, I mean, it is a, so I have never worked on it, but I feel like I should come clean about this because partly I'm like, what was I thinking? And partly I'm like, well, what was I thinking? Uh, I did a, uh, I did a reading of it, not even in a public way, but in a like experiment way at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival when I was working there in 2015. I, I sort of hosted a gathering that was a reading of this play by, uh, by an all woman company. And I was interested in hearing it that way. And I'm trying to remember why. And I think the reason why was like, I was sort of interested in what happens if like, because this is such a violence and awfulness perpetrated by men sort of universe of tomorrow, uh, Tamara, which we'll get into it. But um, I guess I was interested in like, even in a theatrical universe where you remove the sort of like source of gender oppression, somehow people rise to somehow people fill that vacuum anyway, you know, Mm. just sort of like, even if the, like, it's actually impossible for people to live sort of like peacefully together, like people will commit violence anyway. And I don't know, it was something, it was something I was interested in at the time, but I don't know if I feel the same now, you know, like, I don't know if I would do it now. I mean, really now for the podcast, I was like, no, I don't, I I don't want to direct this play. No, I mean, like, no harm in an experiment, of course. But yeah, like, I'm sort of like, uh, I, I mean, in some ways, it's also like the play itself contains that message because we have Tamara, right. who is so active in inciting the rape of Lavinia. Yeah. Um, and like, Lavinia is really horrible to her, like, not saying she brings it on herself, but you know, it's like, she's not like yeah, this sweet. Off. Yeah. victim to Tam, like she's horrible to Tamara back like yeah. there's just really no it, it's really equal opportunity horribleness from everyone yeah, everyone's all the time. horrible and like it it yeah I'm curious about the thing you said about how how people market it like or how similar it is to the way that we talk about the Jacobeans because I feel like totally with like Duchess of Malfi or like uh or uh Tis Pity She's a Whore you know I feel like there's a certain way that people talk about those plays that is very much the sort of like it's just fucking blood and guts and gnarly and like that's what the Jacobeans are. I feel like in a way it it might be more I feel like the Jacobeans get away with it a little bit more because they aren't Shakespeare and we don't even expect the same level of like uh they're not they're not as good. <laughs> like 
I mean, I think that both of those plays are better than this play, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just think it's interesting. I think you're totally right. It's people kind of desperate for a marketing hook because Mm -hmm. they don't have Shakespeare to be their marketing hook. But I just, like, have to point out, not to be, like, predictable, that, like, hmm, what's, like, the element that all of these have in common? Brutal sexual violence. Everyone's favorite thing to watch on a Saturday night. Like, the way that... I have like I have one set of feelings about how you know we sort of delight in gonzo violence mm-hmm. period like sure mm-hmm. but I just think it it turns into something different when you add that sexual, ingredient like mm-hmm. that ingredient and like the mm-hmm. way that that just kind of gets glossed over as like it's 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 blood the bloodbath the bloodbath of people stabbing women for having sex like you know yeah you're like, yeah, uh, yeah. like these things are yeah it's like if it gets glossed over, it's only in the sense of like, uh, this is a kind of violence like all this other kinds of violence, but it's actually like, no, this is actually a really different kind of violence. In a way, Titus Andronicus does make it stick out. Like, you yes. know, in, in a way, Titus Andronicus is about a sexual assault. You yes. Know? Yeah, I mean, and like, so is Duchess of Malfi. Yeah. You know, like, so, I think yeah. they actually all are, but yeah. it's not really the way we kind of talk about Treat them. them or, yeah, right. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe that's a place to begin. Yeah. Because one of the things that really jumped out at me when I started reading and made me be like, oh, no, we're in trouble, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is how marriage becomes the pretense for everything that follows. Mm. Um, and I think we sort of get set up with like two forms of uh, kind of marriage or love in the first act. Um, and one of them was promising for our purposes. And then one of them becomes what the play is actually about. Because <laughs> um, I feel like we get sort of set up with this idea of like a man's love of his country and the way that Titus's like relationship to Rome gets painted, like he has given all of his sons mm-hmm. to the motherland. And I was like, oh, there's something in that that's really interesting. This kind of like queer desire for hmm. a concept or sort of <laughs> imagining the ways that like does this sort of love of country get sublimated into like love of the ruler? Because he tries really hard to be loyal to Saturninus for I say a long time, more than five <laughs> minutes, which yeah. is as long as anyone else manages it. Um, yeah. I mean, Saturninus disappoints him by being a maniac, but that's yeah, a sad yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. um, but then it sort of becomes, the. It, but then it shifts and like the marriage and the relationship with the women kind of becomes the symbol, the thing that, the, like the thing that Shakespeare gets like symbolically interested in and like the characters themselves become interested in using as a pretense for everything and it's not so anymore about that like kind of martial brotherhood love of country right because it's it's another play that starts with the ending of a war and this really sort of like uncertain return to some kind of like civil peace and so it's like what is there to fight about in a society like the sexuality of the only two women that exist is the answer because it's like it really has that feeling because Titus has a billion sons and then here's Lavinia and in in one one they talk about I don't remember who says it but they call her the ornament of Rome a lot Mm. and this sort of thing is like of course there's all of this like commotion about who gets to marry Lavinia because it really feels like she's the only woman Rome has yeah, you know what I mean? Because it's just sons for acres and then like one Lavinia. And then, I mean, it's one of those ones where this is maybe partly my brain because I've just come off of a week of working on Hamlet, but it feels similar to like between Lavinia and Tamara. It's just like, there are only two kinds of women. There are only two women. 
Yeah. And and just this sea of men sort of in relationship to their to their sexuality around them. Yeah, which I think is what makes it not feel queer despite being yeah. this like sausage fest world because all they care about is these women's sexuality yeah they're so fixated on the women and don't really care about each other at all no it's totally bizarre and also the culture of masculinity in this play is something that I noted at the very beginning where like it's not even because we were talking about like the martial what it doesn't have that a lot of other martial plays have is like the sense of of brotherhood and comradeship that like we share so much because of our common whatever it's it's just a it's just a culture of sacrifice like yes it, that's all it is. There's this line somewhere where blah, 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 when Titus kills his own son by accident, which is like happens so fast you miss it and you're like, the yeah. fuck? Um, every, the, his brothers, his other sons are like, what? Like people are trying <laughs> Dad, to like, make a thing of it. And I think Titus says, or no, this is the weird thing that they all, there's like a ritual moment where they all speak at once and they say, no man shed tears for noble Mucius. He lived in fame that died in virtue's cause. And yeah. like, there's just like all of this weird sacrificial energy of like the most noble thing you can do is die for virtue's cause. And like, it's weird. Yeah, I mean, and I think this is the thing that like I struggled with kind of like, knowing what to do with artistically. I feel like, you know, often on this podcast, we talk mm. about like how one might stage these things and like right. where to go and what to do. And like, I do, like I mentioned, I think that like, this is a play that is so Elizabethan that like mm. part, many of the things that I struggle with are just like, because it's an alien style and just like, I, I feel like I've said before that it's like, there are a lot of Shakespeare plays that feel like contemporary styles of storytelling but yeah I feel that that in itself is always an illusion like even when they yes. feel that way they actually aren't and this right. is one of the plays where it's just like it doesn't there even is, feel yeah it doesn't even feel that way and so no. like I'm wary of being like well it, it makes no sense to me that like it doesn't have this kind of arc because it's like well it's not really doing that but one of the things I struggle with when encountering it as a contemporary reader and viewer mm -hmm. is that like as you said, it's this culture of sacrifice. Like Rome is already a charnel house when yeah. the play begins. Like I made yeah. this note that's like already from step one, this is a world in obsessive love with death. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like it's like a sort of moving from a one, it's not like Othello where it's like we move from a very sort of sanitized war violence into mm -hmm. this like bizarre intimate violence because yeah. we can't control the violence anymore. It's like, no, we start out with this completely brutal, unnecessary level of violence of him losing 21 sons, yep. move into him killing another son by accident, His and then own. it just keeps yeah. going from there. Like, there's no change in the character's relationship to violence. It's just like a continuation. Right, and the thing is, like, the kind of relationships that they have, like, I think you're absolutely right that Shakespeare plays that feel stylistically like uh, modes that we work in now are illusions. It's not like there's always more magic and more weirdness and more sort of shit going on than, you know, it's not realism ever. But the plays about friendship are like accessible to us because we're like, ah, we have friendship. <laughs> a know, human feeling. A human feeling. And the thing about it, like, you know, like a play like Othello as an example is like, it moves from, like you say, a, a kind of martial violence that we don't have to really see or engage with to a kind of domestic violence that still exists. You know what I mean? And like, it's a very yeah. simple, it's a very simple, narrow, small, intimate crime. And that's completely accessible to our imaginations. But this play is like, I mean, 
yeah, it's it's a it's on another level because it does a thing that we don't we don't have a culture of ritual sacrifice for honor. Yeah. Both war and peace. Like Yeah. And like I guess there's a story in well, of course, this culture that is so obsessed with violence just keeps on being violent no matter what. But it's just so like, okay. It ups the yeah, ante. I guess so. as it goes. <laughs> yeah. So the other thing that sort of gets set up in Act One where I was like, oh, mm-hmm. oh no, um, is <laughs> the sort of like queer heart of a revenge tragedy. Yeah. The obsessive hatred and rivalry between mm. two people in this play is between Tamara and Titus. Saturninus yeah. seems like he's going to be get, get be getting set up. Wow, my words just ended <laughs> there. <laughs> Saturninus seems like he might be getting set up as like Titus's rival antagonist, but he doesn't actually care. No. Um, no, and he sort of doesn't matter to the plot in a way. Like he's just, in a weird way, it seems like he's going to be using Tamara to enact his sort of evil plan when really Tamara's like, okay, I'll use the opportunity of being married to you to enact my evil plan. Yeah, the opposite happens. And so the sort of, like, driving rivalry is between Tamara and Titus. And also, it's a totally unequal rivalry. Titus is unaware that they are in this rivalry until, like, Act 4, when he finds out that her sons... We're like, the ones. We're the, we're the rapists. Yeah. And so it's not even like the sort of, like, two opposing forces pushing pushing against each other. It's like Tamara ruins Titus's life and then mm-hmm. Titus ruins her life back yeah yeah but so it's like the ultimate I didn't even know we were in a fight until you killed yeah. my whole family <laughs> like, no I mean the thing is like yeah the first thing that I wrote in my notes for this play was like what does it mean for the general that you've just defeated to be a woman and I think that like page one bar none it means it isn't gay because yeah. because the fight that he doesn't know they're having the fight at the center, like the center of the conflict is between a man and a woman. So any kind of energy is by definition, not a queer energy. It's just like, and the, I mean, like obviously Tamara does a ton of things to Titus and he does a ton of things back, but it's like the central crime is the rape. Like the heart of the horrible things that Mm -hmm. they do to each other is a really specifically heterosexual sex crime. And you know, what's interesting though, too, is that the first thing that happens in the play, basically, is, um, is Titus has, you know, one of Tamara's sons prisoner from this conflict that they just had. And the play starts with her begging for clemency for this boy. And Titus is like, by the laws of Rome, I cannot. He's basically, and Titus, of course, like makes the huge mistake because if he's the person that he is by being like, it's nothing personal. It's just yeah. what we have to do for Rome. And then Tamara, you know, ends act two by saying, I'll find a day to massacre them all and raise their faction and their family, the cruel father and his traitorous sons to whom I sued for my dear son's life and make them know what tis to let a queen kneel in the streets and beg for grace in vain. And so like, it's a, I mean, it's amazing. So but it's Margaret like, as well. Huge. Except for then Margaret who like psychotically is like, all right, I absolutely, I mean, you know, Margaret kills, kills a child or has a child yeah. killed, you know? And I mean, like, that's a horrible crime, but it's not as horrible as this crime. And it's not as personal as this crime Yeah. ends up being. But I mean, so really it's like in Tamara, if you were sort of to like take Tamara's view, the first, the domino that gets flicked that sets them all off is that Titus, uh, decides to be incapable of mercy 
Yeah, which even is though he's already won. Even yeah. though he's already won, but also like that is then not actually something the play is concerned with. Like, like the, the, question, the capacity for mercy. Yeah, the, the question yeah. of the capacity for mercy, the question of should Titus have like turned his back on Rome sooner, like the question right. of like was all his service ultimately in vain? It's sort of like irrelevant. It's an irrelevant question. I mean, I guess like it's kind of relevant because of the problem of like you dedicated yourself to this country that is now ruled by this like psychotic man child Saturninus and like that's mm -hmm. a bit embarrassing but like fundamentally it's not like Coriolanus where it feels like it's asking questions about like what, what do you wrong? do when the country you've given yourself to is ungrateful for that right well it's 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 hollower than that because I feel like if you if you make it the question I'm trying to think as a director it's early in the morning for that um but yeah if if you made it the question, it would be the question of like, yeah, not what do you do if what you fought for turns out to be ungrateful to you, but what do you do if like the entire, the entire culture that you've spent your life dedicated to is the thing, thing that will kill you. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. It's you know, like bad. it's just bad. It's not a good idea. Yeah. And of course, like Tamara doesn't present an alternate way of being Tamara is like well I'll beat you at your own game and I'll be as cruel as you and she and she is you know so yeah. it's just and the thing that she uses to do that is his loyalty and his devotion to this like Roman death cult that really jumped out at me in act three right. when they do the thing about like you know send us your hand I mean first like somebody send a hand but they obviously know it's going to be Titus because they already know he is gagging to mutilate himself for Rome that's no, like all totally. he ever wants to do yes yeah it's true it's true yeah it's weird to send a message to a room full of people and be like someone send us your hand and know that there will be a huge argument about who gets to send the hand but also they know exactly who's gonna win they do know who's going to win, but there is a giant argument for us. Like yeah, know, everyone's like, really... let it be my hand. And Titus is like, no, it'll be my hand. But like, this is just argument. like one of those things that like, as a modern viewer, I'm just like, what is the point of this scene? What am I like as a, as a I know. artist? I don't know what it's telling me about these characters. Like as a, I don't know what I'm asking the audience, like when they sit through it, like if I were to like be kind of thinking about that scene as a dramaturg and be like, okay, so what is the scene for? Like, what is it functioning for? It's just like, I don't know. No, to show that everybody is crazy, I guess. I, I have two things to say about this. And one of which is to say that if you haven't seen the Julie Taymor film, you should, because I mean, you can, I won't say you should, you may, but um, <laughs> we give you permission. <laughs> like check it out. If in fact you have the stomach for it. But one of the things that I remember about it is it starts with, I think this kind of image of a child, like a contemporary child playing with sort of playing with toys and uh, using ketchup to be blood to sort of squish mm. all over everything. Yeah. And there's something about the like weird innocence of that that I think really is like a good read on what this play is like this sort of like needless pointless just sort of spurting of fluids everywhere that does feel uh yeah like well it's gets that something I feel like that's really captured in the bizarre fly scene totally it totally is, I think in the folio and not in the quarto or vice versa I've already forgotten which way around yeah. or basically I mean, well well somebody we'll, yeah well, yeah, we can do it now. Yeah, we why can not? Jump We're not going not? in the order. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Basically, like, somebody kills a fly, and mm -hmm. Titus is initially like, how dare you? Yep. And then um, 
and maybe this will segue. Uh, someone's like, oh, it was black, like Aaron the Moor. And then Tykes is like, good, then kill it. And you're like, yeah, oh, and then you like hey. stop on it a bunch of times and you're like, Jesus Christ. But that combination of like, A, the racism, we'll get back to that. Um, but, you know, just the weird, like frivolous, um, capricious, that's really what I wanted, like, ness of like a kid pulling the wings of a fly. Like, yeah, just that's what the this plays relationship to like violence is. One hundred percent. It's a total nightmare. The other thought that you made me have was I was like, what other productions of Titus Andronicus have I seen? And hear me out here. In New York, uh, several years ago, there was a thing called Titus Andronicus with puppets. Puppet oh, yeah, Andronicus. Yeah. The... I yeah, I did see that, and it was sort of amazing. I see it. They had to cut a lot of. I mean, like I think they cut a lot of the worst shit. Well, is not always like, the way. Yeah, but like there was something the scene that it the scene that I remember most clearly from it was the fly was the who's gonna send the hand scene. Mm. Because there's something about the ridiculousness of it to our eyes now that was like made sense in the bodies of puppets. Yeah. You know? Because yeah. it was I like mean, I think absurd. This I mean, well, this is like not to I was gonna say not to digress. To digress. I mean, yeah. I feel like this is a problem I often have, like with the one production I've seen of Tis Pity, She's a Horror, mm-hmm. which is one of these Jacobean, you know, bloodbath tragedies, where like by the time the violence escalates in the final scenes, I feel like director, I feel like often I see these plays and you can just feel the directors being like, I don't know where to go with this except to make it absurd. And sometimes even mm-hmm. when they're not trying to make it absurd, the audience receives the audience it that way anyway. because yeah. the violence is just so outrageous. And I find that really difficult because I think on one level that is like maybe what the plays are trying to say. But again, especially when you add in this level, this layer of how they are like about violence against women. And like, you know, in Tis Pity, She's a Whore. I remember watching the final scene. It's a play Mm -hmm. about incest between a brother and a sister, basically. Um, And in the final scene, the brother kill has killed his sister and like brings in her heart on a knife. Mm -hmm. And the audience is like cracking up and you're like, Wow. Yeah, but like also fundamentally, this is like a, a scene about intimate partner violence, and he has just like murdered his sister slash lover. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Like, he's like maybe maybe that's absurd in like the extremity of the violence, but like the situation wow. is not absurd or funny. And no. like that's again like with Titus, it's like yeah, I, I would be really easy to put on a production of Titus Andronicus that is just like wacky and distancing. But, like, but yeah, if you actually try to really do it. Yeah, but then, yeah, at that point, it's like, well, why, why? Like, truly, why? Totally. Well, I think why is a good question across the board anyway. I totally know, I totally know what you mean. It's like, yeah, I think if you really try to do it, I mean, this will bring us actually into act two. Let's actually talk about the, about the violence against Lavinia, because it takes a really interesting form. I mean, it, it, it is, it, yeah, it's, it's an incredibly challenging act to read and this was the one where you know I have read the play before but this was the one where um when I was listening to it I actually had to keep pausing it I was like I actually don't want to hear this happen it's it's really really uh unflinchingly horrible so and the the challenging thing about it is that I mean honestly I had this thought when I was getting ready for this particular pod is I was like if there is if there is a queerness in this play, it's the worst possible kind. It's sexual assault by proxy by a woman of a woman. You know, I mean, it's like it's yeah. dark. It's dark and horrible, but like you know. But like, I don't even really get that vibe 
from it. Like, cause it's sort of like, she's also doing it on behalf of her sons. Yeah. But I, it's and also like, she's, it's like, if it's by proxy, it's really right. Tamara doing it to Titus. To Titus. Well, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Which is why even here, you don't quite get that layer. But the, the person that Lavinia begs for mercy is Tamara, who of looks course, right yeah. at her and says no. And, you know, cause the sons are only doing it because, it, yes, it's a it's a Tamara versus Titus still. And yeah. unfortunately, the bodies that get sort of crunched are the bodies of the children always. But it's between mm-hmm. Tamara and Titus. So the way that this happens is um, also there's all this imagery about Lavinia being a deer because they're all mm-hmm. there. What happens is they all go hunting and uh, this party of people involved in this gets separated from the hunt. Um, and the nastiness of it is really sort of like hard to overstate. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Tamara and Lavinia Uh are really horrible to each other. For like a whole minute. For a (laughs) while first. And then we get to the violence. And then we get to the violence. They also kill her husband, Bastianus. And one of the sons um, says... Uh, well, first of all, the the text that I pulled, like the the beginning of the idea is the text. The forest walks are wide and spacious and many unfrequented plots there are fitted for by kind for rape and villainy. Single you thither than this dainty doe and strike her home by force, if not by words. I think that's Aaron yeah. to the to the boys. He's, he's basically the boys have come to Aaron, who's their sort of stepdad kind of and are like, <laughs> totally. We like her so much. What do we do? And he's like, I'll oh, just rape uh, her. Yeah, and they're like, that's a good idea. And then we end up in this, like, clearing where, where you know, Tamara and Lavinia have this, like, nasty exchange. And eventually, there's this, there's some horrible moment, too, where one of the boys says, drag hence her husband to some secret hole and make his dead trunk pillow to our lust. So there's also the detail that this, this sexual assault happens on the body of her dead husband. Yeah. Which is just to make it all horrible. And then... Tamara says, but when you have the honey you desire, let not this wasp outlive us both to sting. Yeah. And then their sort of like version of quote unquote mercy because they can't bring themselves to kill her is instead we'll cut out her tongue so she can't say who did it. And then we'll cut off her hands so she can't like write it or accuse us in any other way. Yeah, it's truly horrible. And before that happens, some of the, like, one of the last couple of things that Lavinia ever says before she loses her tongue is directly to Tamara. She says, um, oh, let me teach thee for my father's sake that gave thee life, blah, 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 when well he might have slain thee. Be not obdurate, open thy deaf ears. And Tamara says to her, hadst thou in person ne'er offended me, even for his sake, am I pitiless? Remember, boys, I poured forth tears in vain to save your brother from the sacrifice, but fierce Andronicus would not relent. Therefore, away with her and use her as you will. The worse to her, the better loved of me. Yeah. I mean. And then and then that's it. And Lavinia says, no grace, no womanhood, obviously creature, the blot and enemy to our general name. You know, she has this text that's like... Mm-hmm. You're the tiger's heart wrapped in yeah uh, totally totally and again it's, yeah, just, it's so genuinely really horrible yeah the son that gets killed doesn't matter he has no personality and we don't care and the act of his execution meant nothing to titus you know what i mean like all this exactly. revenge stems from something that titus did kind of by rote 
I wrote because he was like, and he literally says to her in one one, he's like, I'm sorry, this is just what we do. I yeah. have to. And, and like, then she's like, I'm going to destroy you. Be a story there. But like in the event, like the way that this play is shaped, it just leaves it feeling so hollow that like he's not even being revenged upon for anything interesting. No, no. I mean, it's really like, and you got to feel like it's purposeful. Yes. The fact that it's just sort of like, okay, well, we're just trapped in, you know how like people talk about Shakespeare plays constantly where like, you know, by the end of Macbeth, people are like, we're trapped in a cycle of violence, man. Well, like Titus Andronicus is like what it actually feels like to be trapped in a cycle of violence. Yeah, yeah. You know, where it's 100%. like, no, this is what it feels like. It's absolutely horrible. I mean, this is the thing, right? Yeah, it's like all roads lead to violence. If you love your country, then you kill and get killed and sacrifice your family for it. If you love a woman, then you kidnap her. I mean, because even, you know, in the mm-hmm. opening scene, it's like Bassianus kind of has to kidnap Lavinia, even though she's like... Even to marry her, yeah. Yeah, and like she's like down for it because she'd rather be with him. But it's like it still becomes this like act of extreme violence because people like die over it. Yeah. Like, it's, so it's like if you love a woman, then you, you know, die. kidnap her or rape her. <laughs> and then you die like mm-hmm. it, it's uh, every road leads to death in this every road world yeah because that's the thing is it's like yeah if you fight for anything you die there is no way there is absolutely no way to stay alive in Titus Andronicus and you know one of the interesting questions as we go on will be this thing of futurity like we've talked a lot about like the thing of lineage and babies and the future and like what does it mean you know like whose children yeah. survive is a real starts to be a real question in this play like who will walk into the future yeah and you know titus does have sons who survive Wait. and they're the good ones but like mm-hmm. it's <laughs> well you know what i mean he has some yeah i do sons. i do he has some useless sons they die yeah. um but it's yeah i think that you know uh, i just like yeah yeah how can you talk about the pleasure of violence and the, it being a play that exists in order to take pleasure in violence when this is the centerpiece? Exactly. And the thing is, like, it's the it's totally the summit of the play. It's the thing that we build up to. And then it's the thing that everything falls away from. Because, yeah. you know, because structurally what Tamara like Tamara is using this as the the thing that she climbs to from what Titus did to her. And then the way that we fall forward into acts three through five from this is like everything that we have to do because of what happened to Lavinia and and you know fully leads to her own death I mean like you said in this summary like by the time we get the revenge that we all apparently needed so bad Titus kills her as like an act of mercy yeah I've but seen it horrible. I mean yeah I, I kind of feel horrible. like I've seen it both as an act of extreme kind of tenderness and gentleness where she sort of offers herself for it. And I've seen it as him just kind of grabbing her and like, just stabbing her next in the assembly line. Like, right. And the the thing is like, doesn't really tell us. No, 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 no. It's really, it's, it's the senselessness of it is definitely part of the thing that it's doing, but then you have to keep, you have to keep asking why, like, why do we need this play? Why would we do it? What does yeah. it have to say to us that other plays don't say more elegantly and more deeply and without the kind of cost of us having to sit through it? Yeah. So the Globe's doing this right now is in their I indoor, yeah. yeah, in the Sam Wanamaker Playhouse. I haven't seen it. Um, I don't think I could. I can, I cannot imagine sitting in that incredibly claustrophobic, intimate space and having to watch this. this play it's frankly. interesting uh red bull uh red bull theater in new york um i'm about to be directing a reading with them in april and the one after mine is titus yeah 
you know, and I'm, I'm, I don't know anything about who's doing it yet or if there's any kind of angle or whatever, but I, I, I may ask just to be like, oh, hey, gang, Titus, who, who, uh, for why? Yeah. <laughs> Wherefore? Wherefore? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, a reading again is like, that's another distancing technique, isn't it? You mm-hmm. know, and like, uh, but you know, why do we do readings except for to consider whether we should do the play, you know, and it's kind of like, it's an interesting, it's in the, it's in the, it's in the brain, clearly. I mean, that's just the first one that I thought of, of Titus is happening now and you've got one in London and it's like, here it is again. Go away. Here it is again. It doesn't yeah. get done so often. It's not like Taming of the Shrew where it gets trotted out with such regularity that I'm like, yep. stop it. Like oh it God. is still pretty rare, but you know, yeah. I just find that like the kind of marketing and language and discourse around it mm. troubles me. <laughs> in a lot of ways what is the marketing around it at the globe right now like because I know they always offer like a whole kind of slate of things indoors in the winter but like what is that what is the spin like why are that you know like I, I'd be curious because it is a full production like what is their yeah. hook to be like you know what you need Titus Andronicus. Titus Andronicus you know what I'm gonna look it up right now let's let's um, look it up guys I mean you know get well. inside the beating heart of Shakespeare's first most deadly revenge tragedy mm-hmm. performed in the same one America Playhouse for the first time Director explores the macabre madness that takes us to the edge of humanity. It is the macabre madness. I mean, wasn't isn't it Titus that there was that famous production years ago where people like started vomiting? It was so awful. Wasn't that the no? Glove? Okay, yes, but no. Here's what happened in that production. This is a myth. It <laughs> is right. Yeah. Yes. So there was a production of Titus Andronicus at the Globe that supposedly had a disproportionate number of people standing in the yard fainting during the production yes. because it was so violent and horrible. It, was really it did not, like, oh, in the event, yeah. actually have that many more people fainting than normal. And the reason it did is because they put a lid yeah. as part of the design on the globe. And the like Hi. design featured a ton of incense and smoke. So wow. people in summer were standing for a three-hour production in like, a cauldron of smoke. So that's why more people fainted during that production than other productions. That's so funny. Because I they mean... were being suffocated. <laughs> Here's a, hey directors, you heard it here first. Here's a fun trick. You want the audience to faint? Um, Trap them. Yeah. But anyway, it's just driving me crazy. It's dumb. I mean, and like, it, I, I have seen video of that production. It's like, I mean, it's pretty violent, but like, yeah. it's not. It, they um, didn't I mean, like reinvent the wheel. Yeah. No, I mean, I think there's probably an element, of course, when you're at the Globe, especially when you're standing, of like yeah. how near. Yeah you are to it and like you definitely I remember moments on the recording where you hear the audience sort of like audibly react to things Which um but uh no I mean it's not I think uh, people who work there will tell you mm-hmm. it was well some people will hold up the myth but I think most people <laughs> will tell you it was because of the yeah. uh the heat and the smoke um, but it's again, but it's so interesting that like that is such a key part of like the mythos of like yes. why you justify doing this play because like you can shock people into fainting. Well, it's like I mean, you know what I'm and I will like move forward into more of the of the madness of it in a minute. But like, it's it's the same question that I honestly ask myself about why people go to see horror films. I mean, yeah. So maybe you know, I mean, it's like people do actually like that. The the branding that you just read out of, like, you know, something, something, the madness that takes you to the edge of humanity. Like, people are enduringly interested in that. That's like for why horror exists. Oh, hilariously, I did not realize this. It's all women. Oh, funny. Well, there you go. There you go. 
Yeah, it's interesting because obviously like part of how, what you get when you do that is that you do you do you're allowed to explore the same concepts, but spare the audience of the actual spectacle of sexual violence perpetrated by men on a woman, because there's, you know, the whole sort of meta layer in theater practice of like, the thing is still horrible, but also like the actor's bodies are also still real bodies that you actually have to ask to do certain things. And so is it in some way different? I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, that is my fear with the kind of concept you described mm-hmm. of the all women Titus. Yeah. And I yeah. think that it's always the thing that kind of drives me crazy about like um, all women taming of the shrew. Or mm. like the fixation I as see I that discussed. one that they that they we'll talk about it when we do taming of the show. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, this idea that like, well, it's okay now because Right. Well we, not, they, I, I'm not mean just to be clear, I'm not mean I know, to say I know. that it's okay now. It's more the thing of like it, it it makes it visible to us in a way that is bearable. Yeah, exactly. Well that's what I mean. Right. Is that like yeah. it, it's a it's another layer of distancing. And right. I think on a subconscious level, it's this thing of like well, it's women doing it to other women. So like that makes it okay on multiple levels because A, all these women have agreed to do it. So it must right. be okay right. because they're here. They took so, the job. <laughs> yeah. So obviously yeah. they think it's fine. And right. again, like it's like, oh, it's, well, it's not, it's not like a man hurting a woman. Like, yeah. Well, and if it, if it is that thing of like, we made it possible to look at by, by intervening in this particular way, then you still have to ask the question like, but why do we want to look at it? Yeah, you know, if, it, like, if it has to be mediated to be mm-hmm. bearable, right. that surely either the point is that we're meant to look at something unbearable for some reason, right? and, you know, we can ask questions about, about whether that. that is necessary, or maybe mm-hmm. we should just not look at it if we can't bear to look at it. Exactly, right. right. Yeah, no, exactly. I think it's a really, and, you know, the thing about horror movies is that it's like, they are sort of two-dimensional in a very different way than the theater. I mean, like, the bodies aren't actually in front of you. And so there is the way of, like, I saw, like, the first horror movie I've ever seen in the movies last year because I am, A, not a person who goes to the movies, and B, not a person who likes horror very much. But (laughs) I was convinced to see Barbarian, which is a very good film. And um, there is, like even for someone scaredy cat like like myself there you can sort of get away by closing your eyes like you are sort of okay like you cannot look if you need to not look but it is a little bit different in the theater when everybody is in front of you yeah and also like i think in good horror movies obviously there's just like slasher films and those exist yeah. right it's like a metaphor for something <laughs> usually yeah whereas like in titus Again, like, I think this marketing betrays that, like, we know this violence isn't for anything. Yeah. Except and for violence. It seems so, like what they seem to be interested in is this is the the, the senselessness of it, I guess, or, like, the yeah. madness of it. Yeah, which I guess is just, like, okay. Okay. Fine. But so, you here's, know, yeah, no, here, you go. in terms of this question of, like, what it takes to make it bearable to look at. Yeah. Would we like this if it were queer? Well, well, that's the thing is like, so if Tamara Us, was a specifically. man, <laughs> let's welcome everyone to the thought experiment. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, if Tamara was a man and it was all boiling down to this sort of bloody confrontation between this man and this other man. Yeah, with this like, thing proxy is, like, rape at the center. At the center of it, because that's the thing is it's like. Coriolanus is a play that is structured similarly to that, but also the people who die are soldiers, and that's their job. And you and, know what? 
Yeah. yeah sorry, go ahead. No, and I mean, like, the people who die, like, critically, the people who die in Titus Andronicus are the people who get sacrificed are their own children on either side. So it would be two dads sacrificing their children back and forth until they can get in a room with each other and just kill each other. Yeah, which, like, on one level, you're like, well, that is queer. But <laughs> the thing is, is it wouldn't be a proxy rape at the center if it was not straight. Like, that is, like, part of the fundamental straightness of the story is that, yeah. like, the reason the form of revenge that Tamara takes is a rape is because yeah. it is a conflict between a man and a, a woman. Man and, and a like, woman. that is the form of violence that exists between men and women. And, like, totally. the twist is that because it's this weird proxy, it is the woman who is able to rape the man. Yes, that's absolutely true. Yeah. And then in, like... I mean, and you can even take it so far as, like, there's a weird sort of, like, reverse violation when he feeds her her own children. There is. I mean, we'll get to the text he has when he does that. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, it is. It's, like, they're searching for the most um, painful and, like, eviscerating ways to violate each other. And it is a man and a woman doing that. And I just think that, like, it wouldn't, like, that, it wouldn't be rape mm-hmm. if it was something if it was the, they as would choose see a different thing. They, yeah, right. they would choose yeah. a different form of yeah. conflict by right. they i mean shakespeare would choose a different form of com- of violence oh. and conflict no you're totally right it's just it's so that's and that's uh, reinforcing the case why we used the one special elusive this play isn't gay card for this play is because the straightness of it is so built into the into the dna of the plot and here's the thing Here's what I here's here's another fan fiction. Here's what I feel yeah. like I can say about Shakespeare, however many episodes in we are. <laughs> 32, 33 episodes. If there's not if it's not a comedy and there's nobody queer, he doesn't know how to write people caring about each other. You heard it here first. Dead ass. No, you're right. I mean, it's like <laughs> if it isn't if it isn't a comedy and it isn't queer. Yeah. Right. No, I think you're right. Well, yeah. or it isn't queer because he can yeah, write or. in a weird That's, way. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he can write uh, Printal and Hotspur caring yes. about each other in a very bizarre way. And he can also write heterosexual comedies. Yeah. But, but like, but, uh-huh. give him a context like this where it's like, okay, there's no lovers really. Mm-hmm. And nobody is queer. Mm-hmm. Then he's like, I don't, what, how, what, do, what are feelings people it's have? It's all that, straight people who want to die. <laughs> it's all straight people who want to die and describe things. Yeah. And then what you get is Titus Andronicus. Yeah. Uh, a much lesser play. A play about straight people who want to die. So if that appeals to you. <laughs> um, According go, to the Academy. I think yes. <laughs> I think. Uh, yeah. Okay. So let's move forward into Act 3, which is, again, a full nightmare. And I think, only on Act 3. Okay. We'll, we'll move. We'll move. We'll move. I mean, we, we can we can 3, 4, 5. Yeah. We'll press yeah. it. I mean, and so Act 3 is where the kind of, I mean, so this is, first of all, where the hand thing happens. This is the hand thing. Um, And you can kind of tell that Tamara feels like, that's it. I'm done. I've, I've covered what I need to cover. He's disgraced. He's mutilated. His sons are right. dead. Like, I'm finished now. And then. But, but here comes Titus. <laughs> yeah, but here comes Titus. We get the fly scene. We get a lot of scenes of them just kind of like faffing around being mm-hmm. sad. And then. Lavinia has another really striking scene and it is remarkable how Lavinia like truly is at the heart of the play like and also the way that she stays a character yeah I really do give Shakespeare credit for not just kind of like shunting her off to the side yes no she really really stays a character she's at the center of like all of all of this yeah and so she 
right. I mean, like finds a way she uses, you know, she refers to like the legend of Philomela who was, you know, raped and they're like, Oh my God, you were raped. And then she like writes in the dirt, the names of the brothers. And mm-hmm. then like with a stick. Yeah. And then yeah. that kind of like kicks off the like, Oh, revenge part two. Now we're in charge. Um, <laughs> and like Lucius, her brother goes to like raise an army amongst the goths. Um, Mm-hmm. Excuse me. And Titus is like, let's go. We're going to we're going to take them down. Yes. Yes. And there's a couple of like tonal things. So the text that I pulled from the things that you just described is like the Wait, actually this happens in act four. But whatever, you know, yeah, it's all. Yeah. Well, three into four. We're, we're flowing. We're flowing. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I guess the... because he begins by being like when they kill his sons, even though he sent his hand, he's like, hey. Yeah. Hmm. I'm mad at you guys. <laughs> and then the Lavinia thing is kind of like, okay, now we're going. Like we're going, we're going. Well, so like the scene where they're arguing whose hand to chop off, and then Aaron's like, oh my god, so sad. Here are your sons, and they deliver the heads of his sons that were supposed to be released to them. So yeah. now this is a scene with like a bunch of heads and and a bunch of hands flying around, just like body and, parts. Oh, it's just heads, hands, and then Titus has the way that they exit this scene. This is a piece of text that I was like, what? Titus says, come, brother, take a head. And in this hand, the other I will bear. Lavinia, thou shalt be employed. These arms, bear thou my hand, sweet wench, between thy teeth. So they walk out of this scene with her holding his hand in in her mouth. And him and Marcus each holding a head of the executed sons. And Titus is now one-handed. So, like... Yeah. So that's also, where we're at. <laughs> like, she doesn't have to use her mouth. No, she can hold, yeah, under the elbow, man. Come on. Yeah, like, but, she still has, like, she can clasp it and between her arms, like. Between her between her stumps. The thing, I mean, so in, in the scene where she wordlessly tells them what happened, um, the text that I pulled from that is Titus says, speechless complainer, I will learn thy thought. In thy dumb action will I be as perfect as begging hermits in their holy prayers. Thou shalt not sigh, nor hold thy stumps to heaven, nor wink, nor nod, nor kneel, nor make a sign. But I of these will rest in alphabet and still by practice learn to know thy meaning. And I wrote, I'll just look back at my notes and I wrote, is this what it takes to listen to women? Jesus. Like, I mean, also, like, one of the, so, like, there's, like, a list of content warnings on the Globe website for this uh, play, and one of them is ableism. I do think that that is, like, really key, is, like, the constant state of, like, abjection and humiliation and misery with which, like, physical disability like losing the hands and the limbs and stuff is presented is also just like another it's just like a kind of by the by another unpleasant element 100 and i'm sure we'll have a sidebar about aaron coming up pretty soon but also just to say one of the things that i said before we started recording was i think this play it's certainly one of the most but if not the most racist play like yeah. aaron is such a complicated character so it's like the trigger warnings are like not just sexual assault but yeah ableism racism I mean, cannibalism. We'll get there when we get there. Yeah. It's got it all. It's got it all. Got Why don't all? we go? Let's do the Aaron sidebar now. Let's just okay. do it. Okay. Because it's basically Aaron. that's where we're at in yeah. this narratively as well as so we're moving into act four. Yeah. And it turns out that so Aaron and Tamara are lovers. She has been secretly pregnant, has known. a baby. Yeah. 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 Um, right. Which the timing of her baby is insane. That's a whole other thing. 
Well, we, can't, we just can't we think about these things. I know. Because um, like, they're like, we've got to kill the baby. Because the baby is born black, obviously. And they're like, we have to kill the baby. Saturninus will know it isn't his. And I was like, Saturninus will know it isn't his because he married her four days ago. <laughs> well, like, never mind. <laughs> like, Time has passed. Okay. Time has passed. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, there's that. <laughs> and it does include the amazing line, villain, you have undone your mother. I have it here. Uh, yeah. So, oh, the stupid sons, the rapist sons, are uh, who we haven't named until now, are named Demetrius and Chiron. And um, <laughs> they're about to the, die. Who cares? They're about to die. Nobody cares. When the baby gets, so there's a nurse, uh, like Tamara's midwife, basically, comes to where Aaron and the boys are chilling. And she's like, we got shit to work out and is holding this baby that is of course a black baby. And Demetrius, like the boys look at it and Demetrius says, villain, what hast thou done? And Aaron says that, which thou canst not undo. And Chiron says thou hast undone our mother. And Aaron in, in perhaps the world's first, your mom joke says, villain, I have done thy mother. <laughs> a the whole play, the whole play is worth it for that to be fair. Yeah. Honestly, price of admission, the world's first, your mom joke. Frankly, it's iconic. I mean, yeah, I mean, sort of technically Oedipus is the world's first year mom joke. It's true, but it's not really a joke. This no. is like, this is a joke. Also, guess what happens to this other female character by the end of the scene? Stabbed, baby. Murdered. <laughs> Murdered. Um, well, because Aaron, of course, for obviously is like, hey, who knows about this? And the nurse is like, uh, well, me and Tamara and you. And he's like, great, great, great. And then he literally just stabs her immediately. It's like one less person. And, um, and like, then... what? And he's like, shut up, you dweebs. Like, it's horrible. Yeah, and then basically they're trying to get him to kill the baby, and he's like, you know what, fuck all y'all, I'm gonna go, and flees into the wilderness with the baby. Mm-hmm. With his baby. Yeah, because they're which like, is like, kill it, and he's like, absolutely not. <laughs> the one instance in this play of a parent, like, caring for their child, I mean, I guess Titus does care for Lavinia, but, like, you know, a little too late. A little too late. Also, I didn't pull it for some reason, but the way that Aaron cares about the child is, like, he he has text that it weirdly reminded me of Volumnia and Coriolanus. He has text where he's like, I'm going to make him a soldier. My, this, my, I'm going to take yeah. my son into the forest and feed him on like roots and berries. And he'll grow up like magically strong and like and become like uh, like a warrior. Yeah. And it's like this odd narcissism of like he is okay. mine and he looks like me. Mm-hmm. And like it's very much sort of, uh, oh yeah, like kind of only valuing the child as like an extension of the self of and as what yeah. you can make it. Of it. Yeah, no, it's really him. crazy. And obviously like, you know, if you were trying to find like, the baby is the only other black person in the play. And obviously like Aaron's mm, sort of wonder and kind of possessiveness over it, like would be really moving if it was just about that, except for immediately it takes on this totally weird kind of darker cast of like, yeah. I'm not going to actually love this baby. I'm going to take it into the forest and like rear it like a wild animal. So it'll like be this sort of like thing that'll do my bidding or something. You know, it's really yeah, you'll Yeah. You hear people quote his like, is black so base a hue yeah. speech where basically the brothers are like, he's so ugly. And then he has these couple lines that are like, I'd rather be black. Hey. Like mm-hmm. I don't, you know, my face is unchanging. Like I'm, I'm steadfast and it's cool. Mm-hmm. And you're sort of much like the hath not a Jew eyes. You're kind of like, oh, okay. okay. If you completely take that out of context, I right. guess I can 
see how you can pretend it's positive. What it's more like, honestly, is it's more like the way that Richard III talks about his disability, where he starts by being like, because everyone hates me because of how I look, I'm going to give them what I want. I'm going to be a villain. You know, Aaron has text somewhere where he has like, I will have my heart black like my face. You know, yeah. it's like, it's that's not here, though. No, it's not here, but that's like part of how he speaks about it. So, you know, it's sort of like, yeah, it's a <sighs> it's mixed signals. Shakespeare. It's complicated. It's really complicated. Yeah. I mean, and like, <clears throat> again, like if we're taking as a given that like this is a play where the driving kind of energy is like how much pleasure can you take in violence? Mm-hmm. Aaron is an appealing character. He, he has more fun than anybody else. He's smarter <laughs> than most other characters. So like totally. that, I guess. Yeah, and but, he has he has a gnarly ending, which we'll touch on here in a sec. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, I think that the way it like engages just the attention that it draws to his race in relation to his brutality and his like kind of ruthlessness and his lack of feeling and remorse. Yes, is pretty fucking racist. It's really racist. It's really really bad because he's the one who has he's the one who has the rape idea first. You know, and he gives it to the boys and this whole thing. And it's just like, yeah, it's bad. It's bad. The way that he articulates, even though he is smarter than everyone, the way he articulates sort of playing into his baser instinct and links it to his race in his own language is just sort of like, damn, this is hard to do. And maybe shouldn't be done. Yeah. Yep. But then, so we all, basically, I feel like we can boil it down. Like the thing that then happens in the like, ooh, oops, reversal, here comes Titus on the revenge train. Yeah. Is he requests a parlay? There's a couple things. Sort? So Lucius, his son Lucius is like out in the wilderness and is right. like, uh, I need to, yeah, like I, I want to parlay. You know, they're trying to kind of get into a conversation with Lucius because he's built this army and they want to kind mm. of chat with him, make it stop. And then Tamara's like, I think I can flirt my way out of this situation. She so really she does. goes to Titus with her sons in disguise as you the know. concept of revenge. <laughs> yeah you know you know when you go when you go as a concept to something not to, not like to like a the Met, party it's like the Met Gala, it's like the Met yeah. Gala except for she's throwing it all alone and he's like can I talk to you and she's like no but you can talk to revenge and she brings her sons as accessories for her outfit dressed as the concepts rape and murder yeah and <laughs> Titus is like Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, here, what you should do for revenge is invite Tamara and Saturnitis over to your house and then revenge on them. And he's like, that's a great idea, concept of revenge. Thanks so much. By the way, if you're going to go, can your little companion stay with me? And she's like, sure. Oh, something that we should introduce to this pot, actually, is that the reason that Tamara thinks that her dumb disguise is working and the reason that she feels safe leaving uh, Demetrius and Chiron with Titus is that they think he's crazy by now. Yes. And and also maybe he is. But yeah, like I mean, he isn't not. <laughs> he isn't not crazy. But like we've gone I into a little bit a of a... I still think it's a pretty fucking bad call, oh, Tamara. No, it's a, it's a terrible call. But he's... We've gone into a little bit of a sort of Hamlet-style antic disposition land with ta- with Titus, where he's sort of like, it's the ambiguity of like, has he actually been driven mad by everything that's happening, or is he just extra playing mad so that she will think that he's harmless now, etc. Yes. So that yeah, she will and feel I definitely she's think him. Mm-hmm. in the scene it, when he's like, ooh, maybe they should stay behind. Like, you are a little bit on the fence. Like, does he know what he's asking? Yeah. And then yeah. she leaves and he's like, hey, guys. <laughs> yeah, she leaves and then he's like, hey, gang, what's up? And they're like, um, and then he's like, you can't leave. Tie them up, tie them up. And then uh, kills them. 
Yeah, and then kills them in uh, in a way that I will now quote at length because it's hilarious. And here we go. Um, Please. Uh, so the cannibalism. Remember the cannibalism? Here it comes. Um, also, it does feel pretty good to kill Chiron and Demetrius. I will say after we've been I mean, yeah, through it's what like we've been through are... with them, it's frankly delicious. Yeah, like now I'm like, okay, these are the cathartic murders. But what was everything else? Legit. Um, so he says to them when they're like, but what? Like they're in a Scooby-Doo. He says, hark wretches, how I mean to martyr you. This one hand yet is left to cut your throats. Whilst that Lavinia tween her stumps doth hold the basin that receives your guilty blood. You know, your mother means to feast with me and calls herself revenge and thinks me mad. Hark villains, I will grind your bones to dust and with your blood in it, I'll make a paste and of the paste a coffin I will rear and make two passes of your shameful heads and bid that strumpet your unhallowed dam like to the earth swallow her own increase so (laughs) that's not not incredibly metal but that is what happens yeah i mean you know it's it's if the whole play was like a rape revenge fantasy Mm -hmm. that'd be cool but it's not we have had to sit through a lot of other bullshit first yeah and and I, i i was just linking back to what you said about the sort of like the Titus Tamara proxy, the 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 violations that they try to enact on each other and how horrible that language is about making her eat her own sons and like and how horrible it in fact is. But the most expressive moment of it is that speech, I think, before it happens. Because when it happens, yeah. it gets swallowed into the chaos of really like an assembly line of death. Eventually uh Titus kills Tamara. Yeah. Saturninus, Saturninus kills Titus, doesn't he? I like have fucking lost track. I think I think he because it's a really confusing Shakespeare thing as well, where people have been stabbed but they're still talking. So you're like, what order did this happen? And I actually don't remember. No, and I mean you can be stabbed and also keep stabbing, as we know well. So, um, but (laughs) you know, yeah, Titus kills Lavinia first, I think, and then it all becomes total chaos. Yeah, because that's his, like, guess what happened to my daughter? She got raped. It's so humiliating. I'm going to have to kill her to purify her. And the two of them are like, what the fuck did you just do? And then he's, like, enjoying that dinner, Tamara. It's your son's. And then, you know, and then everybody's, like, it's, like, an orgy of stabbing and also probably vomiting. Yeah, like, she sort of is gagging and throwing up and, like, kind of vomits to death and then, like... He stabs Saturnite, Saturnite stabs him. Like Lucius rolls up, and like the sons are back. Marcus is there, um, and then everyone's dead. Yeah, except Marcus, our one sane, sane man who's been sort of witness. The son who Mm -hmm. went off and raised the army. It's a bit of a like Fortinbras moment with him, where he's like, "Am I emperor?" (laughs) Slash kind of Malcolm, except for not as sinister feeling. Yeah, Marcus M- Marcus uh, has this text to Titus's body that is like the one actual piece of tenderness we ever get. He says, tear for tear and loving kiss for kiss, thy brother Marcus tenders on thy lips. Oh, the sum of these that I should pay, countless and infinite, yet I would pay them. So like the I one think... person left to be sort of witness is Marcus. Yeah. And I do think that like at several other moments throughout the play, Marcus specifically finds and attempts to be kind of tender towards other characters, but it's yeah. always sort of, it has a feeling of futility about it and it's never really reciprocated because he's no. always kind of doing it to someone who's been like horribly mutilated or, you know, about to die. And like, it's very yeah um, 
like he's like alone in a world of trying to offer love in a in a universe where like it's simply not uh yeah it's it's not workable to and it's just like this kind of sad comfort after the fact anyway like it doesn't do anything no if that's the thing is like it's a universe where love absolutely has no power to intervene in any capacity like it has no power yeah. to stop anything from happening I mean, and that's like the thing that happens at the beginning, isn't it? It's like yeah. Tamara's love can't save her son. And so she yes. burns down the world. Yes, yes, yes. And, you know, there's a piece of text somewhere. And yet somehow that, she's not the hero. I know. And yet, well, it's like it's all futile and horrible. I mean, Titus says to Lucius at some point in Act 3, he says, Why foolish Lucius, dost thou not perceive that Rome is but a wilderness of tigers? Tigers must pray and Rome affords no prey but me and mine. And it's like, that is what it feels like, is that everybody is just sort of like a wild animal in the forest, just sort of like protecting their children, but also without honor, without love, like in an animal sense. Yeah. And like, in a way, it kind of reminds me of what I don't like about King Lear, where I'm just kind of like, okay, fine, if that's what you think humanity is. Yeah. And he, well, and I mean, okay. even, even Lear, I feel like has a lot more... Yeah, it has uh, a lot more just sort of like bad luck. It's kind of like people are yeah. people could be nice, but the universe is shit. This is just like, okay, I mean, fine. If you think humans are bad and will devour each other, then here you go. Watch that happen, I guess. Right, and the thing is like if what it was about was what a different world we'd live in if Titus had decided to spare Tamara's son, there are better plays sort of about that concept. Yeah, you know like that doesn't I mean? ever feel. Titus is never asked to directly grapple with that choice. Literally, I think he's forgotten he did it. Well, because you sort of don't. What you kind of long for, like if this was like a Marvel movie, you know what I mean? Like what you would long for is the scene between Titus and Tamara where she's like, "Remember when you did that to me? That because of that, all of this." But you never even really get the satisfying <sighs> verbal confrontation between the two of them that would feel like it went some way toward making it worthwhile. Well, yeah, I mean, because, again, Shakespeare does that with mm -hmm. Margaret and the brothers in yes. Henry VI, where when they have her son, like, mm -hmm. tied up, they're like, hey, remember when you did this to our brother? Mm -hmm. And then she does it She does it to York, you know, in the yeah. crown, crown for York scene of, like, you know, remember well, this? what happened before, well, but yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But, like, the, the people remind themselves of the links all the exactly. way through you know and in in better plays you know yeah and like plays that are being written around the same time so it's not like Shakespeare hasn't like discovered this technique yet it's clearly not what he feels this story is actually about yeah 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 and I mean there are I think even better there are better plays about the chaos of violence you know I mean like I think I have mixed feelings about it and it's never been this was a long time ago in the podcast but Macbeth has never been a play that I've been particularly longing to direct but I think it's a better play about violence. Yeah, I mean like you know we're talking about revenge tragedies one of my favorite I mean favorites is strong right I don't really like mm -hmm. any of them but like one of the ones that compels me a lot is one mm -hmm. called The Broken Heart by John mm -hmm. Ford where the kind of premise at the beginning is the a brother has split up his sister from the guy that she was in love with and forced her to marry someone else. Mm -hmm. And now having fallen in love himself feels a lot of remorse over this. And there's this really interesting scene where the sister is like, yeah, I, it's great. You feel bad about it, but it's too fucking late, isn't it? And the kind of revenge that unravels is against someone who has seen the error of his ways, but mm -hmm. there's no way to undo it. It's too late. Yeah. It. 
Right. I think that's that's the thing. It's like the critical ingredient that's missing here is no one has a revelation about what they've done because the great Shakespeare tragedies are about consequences, are about like understanding your error too too late to save yourself. Yeah. I mean, it's very in that way. It is. It is. But it's the thing is like the knowledge of like, you know, uh, Othello wouldn't feel the way that it does if he didn't realize what a mistake he'd made before he dies. And the same with like, you know, I mean, uh, Laertes and Hamlet, you know, I mean, like all of the people who were like, oh, fuck, like if I had just known that five minutes ago, you know. Or again, even something like Macbeth, where he has the oh, fuck quite early. But again, he's literally like. And now I'm trapped in blood so far, you know, it's just like, I turn back. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right. Right. It's just, you never have that moment. Yeah. Well, and again, it's like the framing is like, okay, well, if the sort of like, it's like, we have the kind of like red herring crime of Tamara's son being killed, which the narrative itself tells us doesn't matter. The Mm -hmm. crime that actually matters is Lavinia's rape. Yes. But then it's like, so all of this is happening to Titus. I mean, kind of as he says, there's nothing to feed on but me and mine. Like, really fundamentally, dramaturgically, all this is happening to him for no reason. Yeah. And that's the kind of, like... And that's the Lear energy I hate, where it's, like, just mm-hmm. bad shit happens to people for no real reason. We just didn't mm. get the message there in time. And you're like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard, because I think it is an essence of tragedy, is that. But I think it's a less satisfying essence of tragedy than... I made a mistake and I and I and I learned too late how I could have corrected it. That's a much more satisfying dramatic essence. I mean, the thing that feels like Beckett about Lear to me is the sense that just like, you know, uh, what the, the while we unburdened crawl towards death of it all of just like, you know, I mean, and again, Lear has many other virtues, but it also has the sort of self-consciousness and grace of somebody in the last two seconds saying, is this the promised end? Yeah. You know, it's just like, it's so much more about the thing that it's about than this play, which is just sort of like all of this killing in a vacuum. Yeah. I mean, if I'm going to like, I think this is like a little bit of a stretch, but I'm going to say it anyway, because yeah. of what this podcast is, it's sort of like this play would need a lot more intentionality to be queer. Yeah. There would have to be a lot more drive and desire and pull towards other characters. Whereas yes. beca- almost because it's a man and a woman, because it's fundamentally heterosexual, there's this like, mm. we've had this date from the beginning kind yeah. of bland inevitability towards it. It's just yeah. like, yep, there's a man and a woman who are rivals. There will be sexual violence involved because that's the way that men and women <laughs> relate to each other. And then mm-hmm. they just kind of tear each other apart because that's what happens, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, um, yeah, it's just negation. It's just, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just a world, like we said it before, it's just a world of straight people who want to die. And then they do. And then they do. And it isn't gay. Not for a moment. And there we are. I mean, so we've played this card. We're trapped now. Hi, everyone. Um, As you probably heard, the abrupt ending of that episode, much like the limbs of many characters in this play, it was abruptly lopped off for reasons that we don't entirely understand. Apologies for that. Um, All you missed is our very resentful and begrudging decision to discuss Taming of the Shrew next time. So we'll see you then.